0: Morning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson Inside, the house was dark. A weak, whimpering sound came from the corner of the kitchen. Andy flipped on the light. Two-year-old Emma sat strapped in the high chair, red-faced and tear-streaked, Oh, baby, what are you doing in the dark by yourself? Andy fumbled with the high chair restraining belt. Hold on, I've got you. I'll get you out. Finally, she found the clasp and yanked her from the chair, feeling her forehead. Owie, Emma said, and sank into Andy's shoulder, exhausted from crying in the dark. Her skin was blazing hot. Vomit streaked her shirt. Oh, Emma, you're so sick. Andy blew on her forehead. Here, I'll kiss it better. She kissed her forehead, and Emma's fevered skin warmed Andy's lips. Emma held up her hand. Better kiss. Andy kissed her hand. Of course, sweet Em. All better? Emma weakly lifted her leg up. Better kiss andy leaned over and kissed her knee as she did she saw hives on the inside of her thigh one-handed andy opened the freezer pulled out an ice tray wrapped it in a washcloth and held it to the nape of emma's neck then she filled a blue sippy cup with water gave it to her sister and took her to her room to put her down As she stood over her sick, red-faced sister guzzling the cold water, Andy gripped down on the edge of the crib. Who left you like this, Em? Who did this to you? A low mumbling came from her parents' room. Andy spun, marched down the hall, and swung the door wide. The doorknob left a dent in the wall as it bashed open. Liz lay on the bed, "'swatting away a swarm of flying insects that weren't actually there. "'Andy?' she sat up and stared with vacant eyes. "'The seal is broken and the pale horseman. "'He's here. Armageddon, it's here. "'I I can't get the locusts away.' "'She swam in the air. "'It's the end, and we're all gonna die if you don't go get Dad's gun. "'Go now.' Liz's addiction to cough syrup with dextromethorphan started years earlier, when she figured out that mixing enough Robitussin DM with beer gave her the break from reality that she hungered for. When Jenna told her she was basically drinking liquid meth, Liz smacked her daughter and told her not to bear false witness. How could you leave Emma sick and crying in the dark? Andy said. You don't deserve her. You don't deserve any of us, you worthless junkie. Get the shotgun now. Once Liz's hallucinations took on biblical themes, she was too far gone to be of any use. Andy slammed the door and pulled out her phone. Jenna, she said. Can you come home? I really need you. Emma's sick and needs to go to the clinic. Loud music drowned out most of what Jenna said, but Andy caught the words, I'm still out with Sack. Where are mom and dad? Dad's in Taos with the car, and mom's worthless. I can't even believe what she did. She left Emma alone in her high chair when she was sick and crying for hours. She's so hot and has hives, and I really don't know what to do. Please, can you come home? Please, 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 Jenna. Okay, I'll be right there. I'm sorry. But we can't see her without insurance, the clinic receptionist said. Jenna rocked Emma in the waiting room while Andy made her case. But... Andy read her name tag. Marcia. She's only two. And isn't there some law about helping people who don't have insurance? Don't you have to help us? Only if it's life-threatening. The woman stretched up to look at Emma. And with a simple fever, she's not in that category. Please, ma'am. I'll give you anything. She's so small. I'm sorry. Next, she said. A man with an arm hanging in an ace bandage sling stepped forward. Come on, Andy. Let's go, Jenna said. No, I'm not giving up. Emma deserves this. Ma'am, Andy interrupted. I have a full-time job and can pay the bill. I just don't have insurance yet. I'll sign for it if you'll just let us talk to a doctor for five minutes. She hesitated, looking Andy up and down. You look too young for a full-time job. Who's your employer? Whispering Mountain Maids, please. Andy used her most doe-like look and desperate voice. The woman chewed her lip and shifted in her chair. All right, fill this out and we'll examine her. Be sure to include your boss's contact information. After the doctor diagnosed Emma with strep, she told the girls to give her plenty of liquids, antibiotics, and rest. She wrote a prescription and called it down to the in-house pharmacy for the girls to take home. Andy handed over the last of her babysitting money to the pharmacist to pay for the medicine. On their way out, the woman at the front desk gave Jenna an exam bill for $350, Andy snatched it from Jenna, read it, then jammed it in her purse. That night, the girls took turns rocking Emma, wetting her down and rubbing ice over her tiny body. When Shane finally got home, he helped. After hours of pacing and bouncing, at 3.14 a.m., Emma's forehead finally cooled, and she dozed off. Andy lay in bed... Flipping her phone open and closed, staring at the two voicemail listings from Chris, replaying the rosary incident in her mind. Breathing deep, she finally dialed voicemail. It rang through. Hey, Lapushk," was all she could listen to. She flipped the phone shut, curled into a ball, pulled the sheet over her head, and rocked like a baby. The blue numbers from the clock glowed through the pinstriped fabric. When they flipped to 5.02 a.m., she finally closed her eyes. 2.8. Eyewitness Hundreds of inky black lumps lay scattered over the driveway, yard, and roof of the mansion, The gardeners were using long barbecue grill tongs to pick them up and drop them in the trash bags. What are those? Andy asked as she walked her bike up the driveway. Blackbirds, the head gardener said. Happened last night. How? She rolled her bike around one. He plopped another body in his bag. Wrath of God. He looked at the sky, then the house, What? I mean, first the grasshoppers, now this. It's a sign. Something isn't right. Or maybe some irresponsible jerk left rat poison out. Andy gagged a little at the sea of death, then parked her bike in the back and went into the house through service entrance three. Chen was waiting inside, wearing a silk jacket with a mandarin collar, he looked handsome and powerful, like he was the owner of the house rather than Adam's. Good, you're here, he said. We have a showing, an important one, and need to set up quickly. Come. You want me to help? I thought I was still on probation. You are, but you'll have to do You're all I've got today. Andy followed Chen down to the showrooms. The fireproofing was down, and metal walls wrapped the room like knight's armor. Chen pressed buttons on the touchpad, and the fireproof walls rushed into the ceiling. Brightly lit cases glowed in their place. We've had a last-minute request to see one of our most valuable collections. What do I need to do? Listen carefully. Put these on before you touch anything. He held up a box of surgical gloves. Then, clean each shelf with this solution. He touched a bottle of blue liquid marked showroom glass. Wipe it dry with the non-static rags. And remember, no body oils, makeup, or fluids can touch the artifacts, so don't scratch yourself with your gloves on. Understand? Yes. Andy said. Good. Let's get to work. Over the next hour, Chen and Andy wiped and polished every square inch of glass in the room. As she scrubbed the glass clean, she imagined wiping away the mess of her real life, leaving only cool, clean beauty and order and safety. The halogen track lights burned hot, and by the time they were done, sweat glazed their faces Andy wiped her forehead on her sleeve to keep her gloves clean. Okay, Chen said, peeling off his gloves. Next, we wash. Andy followed him to the bathroom where they both scrubbed down like surgeons. Then they returned and put on dry gloves. Chen pushed a silver cart from a nearby closet. He unlocked the top and slid it open. Take out the artifacts in the order they are placed in the drawers. A1 on the far left, and so on. Andy nodded, her lips tight with concentration. Chen pulled out a drawer. Inside each velvet-lined, made-to-fit compartment was a treasure. The first held a golden cup, bell-shaped with ridges like pleats in a skirt. Light pinwheeled off its surface as Chen turned it under the bank of halogens, Sumerian, 2500 BCE. Next came porcelain cups with intricate floral patterns. Chinese, he said, and handed Andy one. She placed it gently on a shelf. Is the whole collection drinking cups? she asked. These aren't just drinking cups. They're sacrificial cups. Sacrificial... Meaning, they held the blood of human sacrifices, or hearts, as in the case of the Mayans, said. What? Andy tried not to grimace. All these cultures sacrificed people? Nearly every culture in the world has performed rituals of human sacrifice. We have four more carts to go. Andy winced as she set a large Norwegian cup on the glass. Together, they placed cups from the Incas, Norse, Chinese, East Indians, Peruvian, Moches, Tahitians, and Tibetans, before Chen pulled out a pot wearing a familiar design. Steady, rhythmic black and ivory patterns twisted across the clay skin. I know this one, Andy said. Ancestral Pueblo? Correct, Chen said. I've always wondered what really happened to them haven't you? I mean, what would cause an entire people to just disappear like that? A whole cliff city emptied in the night, no bones, no sign of disease, no physical evidence of any kind. That doesn't just happen. You don't believe the drought theory? I need more proof to buy that verdict. They did beautiful work. Chen set the ladle on the glass. So are all of Adam's collections so depressing? Seems they're all about death or war. Chen lifted a hand-carved wooden cup. No, actually, his two specialties are religion, all types, and immortality. What do you mean, immortality? I mean the folklore, literature, historical references, like the shadow puppets. And since you like history, you may be interested to know that we include the background of each piece in a collection catalog. He pulled out a drawer. The Japanese translated catalogs are here. Take out four and place them in the bin. Chen pointed to a plexiglass pouch mounted on the wall. Andy obeyed, making sure the photo of the Sumerian cup faced out. Now dispose of your gloves. He held out a trash bag then we tuck the carts back behind this wall. Chen hid the carts, then stepped back and folded his arms. This looks very nice. Mr. Adams will be pleased. Andy gazed at their handiwork and folded her arms like Chen. Chen smiled a bit at her gesture, then punched keys on the touch screen and a whooshing sound filled the room. Climate control is set. He opened a panel and tossed the trash into the red incinerator bin. Every move Chen made was in a specific order, no time or effort wasted. He'd done this process so many times before it felt choreographed. By the way, the dining room will be used for a small luncheon today, so you'll have to eat lunch in one of the guest room suites. Of course, Andy said and followed him to a guest room with a view of the garden. Andy scooted her chair next to the windows so she could also see the dining room table. A woman sat at the far end, five foot two, thirty-something, Japanese, ninety-five pounds, wearing a soft fuchsia silk blouse. Next to her were two men, five seven, forty-ish, wearing matching black suits and reading glasses. Identical twins. Adams sat with his back to Andy in a midnight blue linen jacket. She watched him while she ate and muttered, "'Turn around. Come on, please, just turn around. I need to see some brown eyes.' After the plates were cleared, Adams took the group onto the patio. They stood admiring the view in the July sun— And soon, Adam slipped off his coat. Andy leaned forward. At the nape of his neck was a two-inch high mark, the same shape as the bent wheat stalk seven that was engraved on the throwing stars. Reddish and raised, she thought it might be a birthmark. But the edges weren't random. They were clean and even. The shape had been designed. Can't be a tattoo. Not the right color. Oh, Andy took a breath in. She held her hand to the back of her neck like her own flesh was searing under the same brand that had marked Adams' neck. Who would do that to you? Adams turned toward the windows and smiled. The sun shone off his deep brown eyes and smooth skin. Thank you, Mr. Adams. Andy chewed slower and slower as she watched him, then said, "'Skinwalker, my eye!' "'Andy?' Chen stuck his head in the room a few minutes later. "'Are you finished?' "'Oh, yes,' she said, and crumpled her lunch sack. For the next few hours, Andy worked in the library. To avoid thinking about the Apache mask, she took to counting and memorizing authors— In addition to the mass copies of The Picture of Dorian Gray, Adams also collected Shakespeare, Chaucer, Dickens, Grisham, Stephen King, a slew of mystery writers, books on war, psychology, religion, the occult, and every year of the Farmer's Almanac since 1818, all bound in leather, with bookmarks resting at the section describing phases of the moon. As the day wore on, Lack of sleep and the monotony of wiping and stacking, wiping and stacking, made Andy drowsy. When Chen showed up at 2.33 p.m. and asked her to follow him to the showrooms, she said, Yes, please, and hopped off the ladder. Nearly half of the cups were gone. Sold, Chen explained, being packed for shipment. He'd just finished explaining the third and final step for storage when his phone rang. "'Hi, Mr. Chen. This is Dr. Tanner's office,' the caller said loudly. He covered the mouthpiece and moved through the door. "'Ah, Andy, I need to take this private call. Why don't you get started and I'll be right back?' "'Okay,' she said. He hesitated. "'You'll be all right?' "'Absolutely,' she snapped her glove against her wrist, faking confidence. She'd say anything to not have to go back to stacking books with the mask. Carefully, Andy dusted, then nested each piece in its velvety nook. She was finishing up the Mayan set when she let her mind wander back to the events of the night before. Chris, Emma, her mother swatting at nothing, her father's eyes staring up the kitchen window at the smoke-filled sky. Exhaustion, leftover frustration, and the warmth from the lights made her thoughts spiral. Warm, tired tears rolled over her cheeks. One landed on the pot in her hand, leaving a round, wet mark. Oh, no, no. Quickly, Andy set the piece down and twisted to grab a cloth. As she did, her hip grazed the handle, and the pot shattered on the floor.